From the Iola Register, I'm Tim Stauffer. And I'm Richard Lucan. And this is Registered. With the election just a few days away, our country will soon be able to finally put a long and nasty campaign season behind us. But what next? How do we get back to normal again, after spending what seems like forever at each other's throats? In today's episode, I speak with Ed O'Malley, CEO of the Kansas Leadership Center, about what steps community leaders can take to bring people together again, and how we can, in his words, tend to our civic fabric. Hello. Hey, Tim. Hey, how's it going? I'm good. How are you doing? Good, good. Sorry, I didn't have my camera on. <laughs> hey, you're, you're, you're good, man. I, I forget to turn mine on. Sometimes I leave it off on purpose. It's, it's, it's all good. Don't worry about it. Uh, how, are, how are things in, uh, in your part of the state these days? Cold and wet right now. We've got a bunch of snow and ice on the ground. Just in the last couple of days, it's been kind of messy. But um, I wanted to reach out because... We're we're about a week away from an election. Where you know it's it's actually a week from today. Hard to believe, and um, you know we've had luckily here in Allen County the local races have been very civil, but you look on the state and national stage and you see a pretty ugly campaign season, yeah. and it feels like it's been never ending. You know this seems that like it's been going on forever. It feels feels like. But in a week's time, or, you know, in the coming days after the election, too, one side is is going to lose, and one side is going to win. And so mm-hmm. we've got to um, pick up the pieces as a community and move on and take down the yard signs and the bumper stickers and the flags. And I wanted to reach out to you to talk about um, how leaders can help communities heal in a sense, but also just move on and come back to a sense of coalition building, working together and, and mm-hmm. what you kind of think is is the work that needs to be done post-election in communities large and small across the state. Tim, I, I love the question and I love that you are are doing a story or, you know, or focus on this. Um, so I'll, I'll share a few thoughts and you know, feel free to ask additional questions or interrupt me. If I, if I ramble too long, you know, you won't hurt my feelings if you cut me off, but I mean, the, the way I've been thinking about it a lot is, you know, there, there, there's more to, uh, you know, um, holding our democratic Republic than just winning elections. Winning elections is critical. I have a background in politics. You know, I, I know what it feels like to be in the middle of a campaign and I know what it feels like to win. I know what it feels like to have it not go so well. But th- there's more to civic leadership than, than that. And I think when the election is over, it's really a time, I believe, to, to mend the civic fabric of our, of our country and our community. And I think, you know, civic leadership looks different than political activism. I'm not judging political activism, that's fine. But civic leadership, I think, is something different. And it's something that remembers civic leadership. When exercising civic leadership, we're we're remembering that there's something more important than winning the day. You know, winning the day is important. But, but, But like strengthening the civic fabric of our community, of our democratic republic, is more important. 
You know, we can win the day and damage the republic. We can win the day and damage our community. I think those who really want to exercise civic leadership, they might focus on a campaign, but they know there's something bigger. They know that that mending that civic fabric, strengthening the civic fabric is so important. And that often means coming together across our political differences rather than continuing to fight those political differences. I was I was doing some research um, before meeting with you and the Pew Research Center has showed that since 2004, the political parties, both Democrats and Republicans, have just moved, you know, each election cycle farther and farther to the extremes. And, and the civic fabric is becoming more taut, more stretched, more frayed than, um, you know, than any time. I'm not that, you know, I, I haven't seen tons of elections, but it definitely feels higher stakes now than, than any time before. Um, and I think it's really easy at a local level just to pass the blame and say, oh, well, it's all these guys on cable TV and they're the ones that have to solve it as well. So, I mean, when I think about our city council and our, our county commissioners and our, our, our mayor and just community leaders, what are some things that, that, that you think we can do to, to, to rebuild that, you know, I mean, what are just some small steps that you think every, and even just concerned citizens, just people who, you know, are, are, are your everyday folk, so to speak. Um, how do we get past this? Uh, well, here, uh, I mean, how we get past it and, and overall is the million dollar question, because I do think this divide, the, the polarization and the division in our country, I, I believe is the biggest threat to our democratic republic today. Um, again, all the more reason why we, we need more people who can get involved in politics, but who also know that we've got to mend the civic fabric. But in terms of like, what, what does it look like for everyday people? What does it look like for you and me and everyday people to, to mend the civic fabric, to tend to the civic fabric of our communities, our region, our state, our nation? A few ideas come to mind. Three ideas specifically come to mind. Um, you know, number one, we need people to remember that calmer heads will prevail, but we have to be those calmer heads. You know, um, I know there's a lot of stress and worry about things that could happen with the election next week and the aftermath. And there's some, you know, uh, not so pleasant scenarios to imagine where people you know, predict there could be violence or things like that. I think, number one, we have to remember calmer heads will prevail, but we have to be the calmer heads. We have to be the people who de-escalate things. We have to be the people, and we have to practice de-escalating things with our own families, with our neighbors. Um, we have to seek the common ground. We have to seek where we have consensus, seek where we find agreement, and know you know, that the things that we disagree on might not be the things we really need to be spending time on right now, especially in the aftermath of the election. We're going to need, we're going to, need to find unity after this election, not continue to divide uh, over difference. So, so number one, I believe we need more people to believe calmer heads will prevail, understand they have to be the calmer heads, and seek things that can unify people rather than continue the divisions. A few other things that come to my mind, though, Tim, um, there's real practical, pragmatic things. 
um, I'm encouraging people to set up a coffee or a lunch or a Zoom meeting right now. Set it up now for after the election where you invite people that you're pretty sure are going to vote um, left and other people that you're pretty sure are going to vote right. Mm-hmm. And just bring them together into a conversation and get it on the books now. Get it on the books right now. Um you know, half the group that you gather for that lunch are going to be excited and the other half are going to be depressed. We don't know which half will be which. But I think that's something that people can do right now is 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 be the person that wants to create the container for people to come together. And some people have more ability than others. I mean, some people could hold that as a community-wide dialogue of those different factions. For other people, it might just mean, you know, inviting... Aunt Betty and Uncle Steve to to have coffee the week after the election. But but you know, be somebody that wants to bring people together across divides. Uh, the, the final thing that I would I would the final suggestion I would have, just in terms of a real practical thing, is um, you know, read something from the other side. Now I have very strong personal political beliefs. I think it's great when people do. But read a book from the other side, read an article from the other side, read a columnist from the other side, do something to help get in touch with um, how they view their moral seriousness. And my experience is when we do that, uh, it doesn't tend to change our mind, but we might get more understanding of why people feel the way they do. And that helps us when we then choose to engage with them. That's a long rambling answer, Tim. I hope I hope there was something there that you might be able to use. No, it's great. I like the idea of getting a commitment locked down. I thought that was a really, that's an interesting concept. One, to encourage people, if your candidate loses, not to just crawl into a hole and isolate yourself. Yeah, yeah. You know, and remember that the world will go on. But then also, too, just to um, see each other outside of our political identities. I think one of the things is like, it's important to be politically active, but it's not the most important thing in my identity. Um, And I think it's been constantly at the forefront. It's constantly been the most important thing, you know, that that I share on social media, that, you know, that my money goes towards these causes. And it's important to kind of like get back in touch with with other parts of who we are. But I also wanted to ask about, because you work across the state, and I was wondering if you've gotten any communities that jump to the top of your mind when you think about people crossing bridges and working together and, you know, kind of this um, practicing these values of tolerance and coalition building. And you can say, hey, you know what, this is a community that that is really doing something special. And they're doing it not just because everybody agrees on it, but because they've kind of done the hard work of finding compromise in, in common ground. Or, you know, it could be something, yeah. just a historical example as well. Well, I mean, the historical examples are uh, maybe easier. I studied history, um, but I do think there are some current examples. So I'll, I'll try to give you some, some of both. You know, one of the things I've been telling, talking about a lot lately with people is, you know, uh, we make progress through coalition and compromise. That, that's the story of our nation. Progress is made through coalition and compromise. And just because you 
compromise doesn't mean you have to be compromised in your values. You know, you, um, and so like the example I use a lot lately is, you know, Lincoln needed the border states. He needed the border states in order to wage the civil war, in order to um, uh, emancipate the slaves and to eventually ratify the 13th Amendment. Um, so Lincoln and others had to deal with compromise and coalition. And that's the story of our nation. And so today uh, we need more people to understand that there's nothing wrong with standing firm for your values. But if you want real progress, the story of our nation is compromise and coalition. And if we can't build coalition, I don't know how we get progress because no one faction uh, ever is usually, I mean, in our history, no one faction is able to just do what they want. And usually no one faction sees the whole issue correctly anyway. So, uh, so that, that I think that history element is so important. And again, Lincoln needed the border states. Um, he might not have liked them. He might not have wanted to engage with them. He might not have wanted to accept them, but he needed them and he leveraged them and it led to progress. And in terms of kind of less huge kind of historical examples, but um, more examples on the ground. And I, I, I'll do some thinking, Tim, and I might, I might shoot you an email or, or get back to you again later today. I know you're on deadline because um, there are some examples, but I don't know if they're the, the type of examples that you're, you're after. Like in Hutchinson, there's a, there's a group of nonprofits that are working really hard to kind of help nonprofits and other civic organizations that come from different focus areas to rally around kind of the spirit of the common good and come together across difference. I, I don't know if it's quite as focused on coming across difference the way we've been talking about it, you know, these big political divides, although I'm sure there's a subtext of that mm -hmm. um, at play. Um, there's another, there's an organization that comes to my mind based out of Lawrence, DECA. Uh, they do a lot of social work um, across the state of Kansas helping folks who are addicted and uh, they have other bodies of work related to foster care and things. And they have consciously the last few years been building coalitions in the communities where they operate. And these coalitions are folks who think very differently on a lot of issues, but who can agree that we want to help folks who are trying to help themselves when it comes to substance abuse, or that we want to help kids who find themselves without safe families or safe homes. Um, so, so those two examples come top of mind, um, but I want to, and I can send you some more information about both those, but part of me really wants to try to find an example of something happening that is really about kind of coming across these divisions that you and I have been talking about. And, and my guess is I can come up, I can, I can get my thinking cap on and come up with something good in the next hour or so that would be good to reference. Yeah. In in your in your perspective right now, the way you see things in 2020, do you feel like this is about as divided as have you seen Kansas? Do you feel like um, you know it's it's historically parallel to you know um, congruous to any other time period, or do you think this is? Am I just, are we just kind of over exaggerating things? And really, it's 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 not that bad. Yeah, I think we're always at risk of over exaggerating. Um, you know, we always, I think humans have a tendency to think that, that you know, um, that things today are 
as serious, as consequential as ever. Um, but maybe they are, you know? Um, I mean, I do think on one hand, there's a lot of success going on in the world today. There's a lot to be proud of. There's a lot of good news. It doesn't get talked about much, but, you know, uh, there's, there's less, you know, uh, abject poverty in our world than ever before. I mean, there's a lot of good news. And I do think from my own personal experience, the, the lack of understanding across these divides, these political divides, I've never seen anything like it. Mm. The, 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 like the, the inability for so many people to see any value in the other really shocks me. I don't think it's healthy. I think what's healthy is to say, I believe deeply in my political beliefs and I respect that you believe deeply in yours. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I think what we're hearing more and more is, I believe deeply in my political beliefs, and if you don't believe the same thing, you must be a horrible person. You must be evil. You know, you and I just think that is really dangerous. And I'm sensing that more alive than I've ever felt it. We'll be right back. In these uncertain times, many things have changed. Plans have been placed on hold, events and celebrations canceled. But some things shouldn't change, like your goals and dreams. A college education is still your best path forward. And now is a great time to learn online. Allen Community College has been providing award-winning distance education for 20 years. With exciting courses, in-demand programs, and credentialed instructors, Allen Online Learning is the region's leader in quality higher education. With one low tuition rate, fall scholarships, and financial aid available, Allen remains accessible and affordable. Visit allencc.edu to learn more. Allen Community College, where more than education, we're opportunity. I read your guys' weekly newsletter and one, one um, and watched a little bit of it yesterday. One thing that really struck me was your distinction between political activism and civic leadership. And um, I was wondering if you could elaborate a little bit more on that because it almost seems like not only are they really conflated in today's world, I feel like um, I'm civically active because I donated to a campaign or I'm civically active mm -hmm. because um, I put up a yard sign in my front front lawn and, and, and that's political activism, but it's not civic leadership. And it almost seems like the, the rise in political activism necessitates more now than ever, the need for civic leadership. They kind of play off each other in a way that, um, you know, they're, they're, for one to be held in such high um, prominence, the other needs to come up and, and, and check it in a way. I, I, I really like the way you just said that. I think, I think that feels right. And I, I think political activism is awesome. I think it's great. You know, I, I think like people exercising their rights to, support the candidate they want to support, or uh, I think that's all wonderful. But I do think our, our, our democratic republic is based on the idea that there'll be enough people who care more about the fabric of the republic than they do about winning on their particular issue or with their particular candidate. And, and that's what I think the key difference is. And I think people who are political activists can also exercise civic leadership. You know, I, I, I think it's okay. I mean, you know, and right after election is the best time. 
you know, huh. work your tail off to, to beat the other camp. And then when the election is over, work your tail off to figure out how do we work together to solve our problems? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, I think you can be a political activist and be somebody who exercises civic leadership, but I think they're different things. And I think that distinction is important for people to consider. Um, you know, the, you may have, you may have read, read, read a little bit about this. Uh, we talked about this the other day, but, you know, ben, Benjamin Franklin, uh, after the constitution was crafted, you know, somebody asked what, what type of government did you create for us, Dr. Frank, Franklin? And he replied, a republic if you can keep it. And so I think the question before people today is, what does it mean to keep the Republic? If I'm a citizen of Iola, what would I do over the next four weeks to keep the Republic? If, if I'm me here in Wichita, if you looked at me the last month, what would you see to give evidence that I have indeed kept the Republic? To me, I think it's more than voting. It's more than advocating. It's something about tending to the civic fabric. It's t- something about believing um, out of many one. You know, it, it, in the many matters, the diversity of thought and opinion matters. And I, I think that that notion is so critical. So this, yeah, this distinction between political advocacy and civic leadership, they're related, but they're different. And they're both critical, I believe. Mm-hmm. So, so where, um, when I think about these strong communities intending the civic fabric, there, there's a lot of values there. Um, the ability to tolerate difference, um, you know, coalition building, compromise. And that doesn't necessarily mean that I, I uh, compromise who I am, but I, I keep who I am and I still don't feel like I lose that if I meet somebody halfway. Mm-hmm. Um, when you look at, communities and, and can kind of just think about, I just like to think about some, some values in addition to what we just mentioned that um, strong communities share and these kind of these robust or almost in a way um, resilient, I think is a good word to use in this, um, resilient communities. What, 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 what do you see as some of these, oh yeah, these are commonalities that communities or that leaders share. I think a couple things come to my mind. Um, I think one of them would be that there are that there are enough people who who care about bridging those divides. Um, so you so you have to have enough of that. I mean, you have to have people who legitimately care about that. So you know, I think communities number one have to have enough people who care about bridging those divides. I think another way of saying that is. You need enough people who understand they're not going to have all the answers or their preferred point of view will never have all the answers so that there's strength in engaging the other, right? So that's one thing. Enough people who, who understand that or who believe people coming together across difference is important. Is important. You know, the, the second thing that comes to my mind is, uh, you know, s- spaces for people to come together, whether that's, you know, the... Uh, the Rotary Club in, this, in, in a small town that is vibrant and attracts lots of different types of people, whether it's tr- you know, uh, civic traditions where people come together and spend time together. But, but I think those spaces need to be present. And that's hard right now in the pandemic. 
in some ways, the lack of those civic spaces, I'm afraid, is compounding some of the difficulty. We're just not seeing each other as much as we might. Um, so enough people who believe we need to come together across difference and spaces, literal spaces for people to be in conversation with one another and, uh, and, and, and celebrate community together, celebrate um, you know, the progress we've made together. Like those spaces are critical. Those civic rituals and civic spaces are, are critical. I, I think that the last thing that comes to my mind is much like in faith traditions, those of us who are, are religious know that faith formation is something you have to keep tending to. That you're constantly tending to your faith formation. I think we need communities that do this best know they have to keep tending to their civic formation. They have to, they have to keep lifting up the stories from the past when people came together and they have to keep telling those stories. They have to lift up those current stories. They have to tend to the civic formation of the, uh, of the people. Those are some thoughts on that. I, I love the question, though. And your question actually warrants a long-term research project, <laughs> you know, to, to really answer the question, which we might take on. I really like that idea. No, I, I appreciate a lot what you're saying about um, the stories we tell ourselves, especially, um, you know, bringing in the faith traditions, but also just the narrative of our country. What kind of story mm -hmm. are we telling about where we are now and who we've always been and who we want to be? as a community. And I think when you show people that we've gotten things done because we've come together, that reinforces the narrative for future work. And it starts to breed a type of culture where people say, okay, this is who we are. This is our identity as Iolans or as Kansans or mm -hmm. as, as Americans that um, we, we accomplish great things, you know, through, through yeah. working together. Well, thank you. I, I really appreciate you taking the time. And I, I feel like you got a lot started in my brain to keep me thinking for quite a while. <laughs> so Well, good. Well, keep up the great work. And if you want to holler again, um, just um, get back in touch with me. I'd be happy to talk more. Um, I really appreciate you kind of taking this perspective. Uh, yeah. Sounds, sounds awesome, Tim. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. And I, I hope to connect with you sometime in the near future. So I, I'd love that. That'd be awesome. That'd be great. Cool. All right, Tim. Take See care. You. All right. Bye-bye. All right. You bet. Bye-bye. Registered is produced by the Iola Register. For more episodes, subscribe to Registered wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Registered or find us online at iolaregister.com slash registered. To support our work, please consider subscribing to the Register. You can find out more at iolaregister.com slash subscribe. And thank you.